Welcome to Tech Talk with Rishi. Can you introduce yourself? Uh, yep, my name is Scott Sauber. I am a lead software developer at a company called Iowa Bankers, where we do uh, mortgages and insurance and uh, fun business stuff like that. Uh, I've been following .NET Core uh, since uh, the very early days. I've been really involved uh, following that and have a blog. Uh, mostly dedicated to ASP.NET Core, and I've done talks on ASP.NET Core, and so really interested in ASP.NET Core overall as a platform. Great. You do a lot of talks, right? Uh, yeah, I've done a, done a few, uh, mostly on ASP.NET Core, um, also done a few on Blazor as well, um, but mostly focused on .NET. Cool. Now, as you know, with ASP.NET Core, there have been some changes. Before we were using ASP.NET Core, I mean ASP.NET MVC 5, and then there was the introduction of ASP.NET Core. So do you know some differences between ASP.NET MVC and ASP.NET Core? Yep, I guess the first... Uh, first big one is it's just a ground up rewrite from regular ASP.NET. So there's no more dependency on system.web. Um, and as a result, there's, uh, improved performance, uh, like on some independent benchmarks, uh, they're up in the top 10 on a lot of the benchmarks that run on the tech and power benchmarks. Uh, so, um, it runs cross platform. So it runs on Windows, Mac, and Linux. Uh, it's been open source pretty much from the get-go, so it's out there on GitHub. Uh, but as far as like the programming model, um, uh, MVC and Web API controllers have been unified, so you don't inherit from API controller anymore. Uh, you just inherit from controller. Uh, let's see what else. Um, so uh, another big one is uh, HTTP handlers and HTTP modules are gone. So now everything's just middleware, including MVC. So uh, just middleware is essentially just a fancy term for me a method call. So you just have a bunch of methods that you kind of chain one after another. And order really matters with middleware as well. Um, so if you uh, get things out of order, you could uh, mess some things up. Like if you're a piece of middleware that uh, redirects to HTTPS, uh, is not first, and say you have like something that serves that piece of middleware that serves static files is first, then uh, somebody could get to your static files over HTTP, not HTTPS. Um, so that's a uh, big one is just middleware is kind of a first class concept in ASP.NET Core. Uh, and we kind of had it in MVC5 a little bit, but uh, now it's kind of like that first class concept. And uh, you can really shoot yourself in the foot uh, with middleware if you get things out of order. Uh, so you kind of have to make sure things are correct on that standpoint. Um, let's see what else. Uh, tag helpers are a thing in ASP.NET Core. Uh, so previously in MVC5, uh, we had HTML helpers, uh, which were fine until you had to do things like style it. So like adding a CSS class, or um, something of that nature. Uh, HTML helpers just kind of got in the way a little bit 
because when you wanted to add a CSS class, you kind of had to do that anonymous ob new open anonymous object thing and like escape the class keyword. So you had to do like at class because class was a C sharp keyword. Um, and it was just a little uh, not very fun to write as a developer. So with tag helpers, you can just write normal tags, like a normal A tag for a link, and use your normal HTML attributes like a class and get full IntelliSense while you type your CSS class. And then you kind of sprinkle in uh, ASP.NET Core-specific attributes like ASP-Controller for a link that tells you what controller you want to point to. So that kind of leads to a better developer experience because uh, you write in HTML and the code you write looks more like HTML. Uh, which is the final product anyways. Uh, so it kind of removes that level of abstraction that HTML helpers had. So I'd say those are kind of, it's kind of a lot there, but there's a lot of, been a lot of changes and those are kind of some of the bigger ones uh, between MVC5 and ASP.NET Core. That's great. I recall when I was using HTML helpers, especially for navigation bars, where I had to make my uh, certain links active based on the page which I was, and that was really yep. tricky. But now with the new features that you just mentioned, the tag helper, this is becoming much more easier. Yep, for sure, definitely. Now, another new feature is Razor Pages. Do you know about Razor Pages? Yep, uh, yeah, so we actually built a health insurance app based around Razor Pages, and it's like about 120 pages. Uh, so we. I've used Razor Pages extensively. So uh, what Razor Pages is, is a, it's really close to MVC, but it's kind of like a slightly different way of organizing your code compared to MVC. Uh, so it's more page focused, whereas MVC is more controller focused. So in the page focused approach, you still have your views, your CSHTML file, but then you have this kind of code behind file, uh, people out there are familiar with the web forms. So you have a .cshtml.cs, and what that's called is a page model. So these files live kind of right next to each other, uh, which is actually a big win when you're doing Razor Pages, um, because with MVC out of the box, you kind of have like, when you're adding a new feature, you kind of have to go to the controllers folder, then you pop over to the views folder, then you go to like a models folder or another project that might have your models or whatever it is. Um, and you're kind of bouncing around between all these different files or folders and, and files. Uh, whereas with Razor Pages, the view and the page model, uh, which is kind of, the page model is kind of like a controller and a view model put together. Uh, those are right next to each other in the same folder. So it's really quick to access. Uh, you can flip between the two super quick and you're not kind of hunting down these different files and all these different folders. So. Um, I would say Razor Pages are definitely optimized for like server rendered HTML. So um, it's not really optimized as much for APIs. So the kind of guidance from Microsoft is if you're doing a lot of pages that are kind of get and posts, um, it's really good for that. But if you're building more of an API backend for maybe like a spa front end, like uh, React or Angular, uh, then you should probably just use controllers. But in our case, we're building more of a ser server rendered app uh, just for simplicity, and the app didn't really require a fancy spa or anything. So um, that's kind of why we went the route of Razor Pages. 
just uh, because it was a lot, it removed a lot of the boilerplate and a lot of the full files, uh, the folder structure, like I mentioned, was closer together. Uh, plus, it's just more secure by default. So out of the box, it gives you anti-forgery token validation. Um, like it led to a lot more maintainable code. So we didn't have those controllers uh, that we've all seen that have like five, 10, even more actions in them uh, that can kind of quickly spiral out of control uh, really quickly uh, because the Razor, Razor page page model is just focused on a single get in a post uh, for the most part uh, on a single page. So you kind of only have a get in a post in most of your page model methods. Um, so that also leads to like uh, unit testing is easier uh, because you're when you're injecting in your dependencies, you're just injecting what that get and post need. Whereas with a controller, maybe a dependency is only used by one of the 10 actions that you have. Uh, but uh, with Razor Pages, it's more focused, so you don't have uh, large constructors and all that kind of thing. So, uh, But like 95% uh, of the code, I would say, is shared between MVC and Razor Pages. Like you still have model state, uh, you still have routing, you still have model binding, all that kind of stuff. There's just that 5% that's a little different. So converting between the two, uh, if you're familiar with MVC, uh, you'll probably pick up Razor Pages pretty quickly. Great. Now, what, to me, using Razor Pages also decreases your developer depth because it is in the same technologies that you are using. Instead of using something like React, which is a completely different technology from .NET, you are using a lot of the same .NET technologies with Razor Pages. Another new feature, yep. right? Another new feature with ASP.NET Core, in fact, in .NET Core completely, is dependency injection. Do you know what dependency injection is and how it is being used in ASP.NET Core? Yep. Uh, so dependency injection, uh, kind of like the name implies, allows you to inject dependencies into your um, like MVC controllers or Razor pages. So it's kind of like um, it allows you to swap out implementations really easily. So you can say, hey, I want to send emails and maybe maybe uh, your app today sends emails just through an on-premises on uh, email server, uh, but maybe tomorrow you're going to use something like SendGrid or one of these other cloud providers, email providers. Um, uh, by using dependency injection, you can just say, hey, I've got this interface. It's like an I email service, and it has a method on it uh, called send email, and you can swap out the implementation really easily uh, just saying, hey, I'm switching from my on-prem email service to my SendGrid email service. And all of your app downstream, all it cares about is, hey, I've got some interface that I need uh, called iEmail service. I don't really care uh, what kind of iEmail service it is as long as it uh, follows this uh, follows this interface. So um, with ASP and iCore, they baked dependency injection into the framework from the get-go. So ASP.NET Core itself depends on dependency injection. Uh, whereas kind of like an MVC5 and, and just regular ASP.NET, uh, it's kind of always felt like it was kind of an afterthought and kind of hacked in, I guess. 
uh, whereas in Ace Beyond a Core, uh, comes right out of the box. So they've got a built-in uh, dependency injection container uh, that you get out of the box, which is pretty basic, but you can also plug in uh, the usual suspects uh, like simple injector or structure map or autofac or whatever it is. Um, so this helps lead, uh, kind of leads people down the path towards more maintainable code. Uh, like I mentioned, swapping out implementations easily, allowing for easier unit testability, uh, that kind of thing. So I think it was really good that they put this front and center um, to kind of, uh, for people who weren't doing dependency injection before, uh, kind of uh, forcing forcing their hand almost to learning dependency injection and realizing its benefits and that kind of thing. That's good. Now, there's Sorry, there's also a new file called the uh, CH file. I think it was uh, something that was introduced previously and now it is very much emphasized. Do you know about it, the CH file? Yep. Uh, so uh, early on in the early days of ASP.NET Core, when it was called ASP.NET 5, they had a project.json file, um, but uh, they realized that that didn't interact well with the existing .NET community, so they switched back to the csproj file that we kind of had in uh, the uh, other .NET versions. Uh, so this new csproj file, um, but they enhanced, they basically took the existing csproj uh, system and kind of enhanced it with a bunch of new features. So uh, the new features are kind of under this SDK style umbrella. Uh, is what they call it, the SDK style CSProj. And so it still uses MS Build under the hood, uh, but there's a handful of new features, such as you can manage your NuGet packages in your CSProj now. Uh, so you don't need that packages.config file. Uh, you can just manage it via a package reference uh, XML element. And it also means you don't need those hint paths. Uh, so before uh, you kind of had these hint paths that kind of went to the relative path of where your NuGet package lived and those DLLs lived, um, but now it's just kind of implicit and makes things a lot easier to manage. And they also slimmed down the CSProj, so uh, the default Hello World MVC5 CSProj was like 300 plus lines of code. And uh, at least I didn't really understand a lot of what it was doing. I just kind of let it be for the most part. Um, but now in uh, ASP.NET Core, uh, the default CSProj is less than 10 lines for the Hello World. Um, so it's just a lot easier to follow what everything's doing, how it interacts together, um, and just makes it more maintainable that way. And probably my favorite feature, though, is now if it's in the folder, it's in your project by default, because previously in MVC5 and uh, other uh, other .NET uh, versions using the old CSProj system, uh, you had those like include lines. So anytime you wanted to include a file, you had like another line in your CSProj to specifically include that file. Uh, but now, if it's in the folder, it's in the project by default. Um, you can still exclude things if you want, but um, I think that's a really sensible default. And at my my job, it led to a lot of merge conflicts, and now we don't really have those because it's just the default. Um, 
I'd say the probably the other big thing is that you can live edit the CS proj now without needing to unload and reload. Uh, you can just uh, right click edit CS proj and just start making your changes. Whereas before you had to in Visual Studio, you had to right click unload the project, right click edit the CS proj, and then start hacking away at your CS proj. So uh, there's just a lot of benefits uh, to the new CS proj system. Uh, uh, in uh, I agree with you. I personally like the new changes being made because you can more easily see what your uh, depend. I mean, what your packages are, what packages are you using? And for example, if you want to copy a list of packages that you already have to another application, you can now just click copy and paste to the other application, and that's uh, done very quickly. Now, another big change was made with startup.cs, this file. Do you know about startup.cs? Uh, yep, so uh, it's, uh, we kind of had it in like the, uh, in ASP.NET, but it's kind of again, in regular ASP.NET, but it's kind of again an afterthought, uh, whereas in ASP.NET Core, it's definitely a first class citizen. Um, so uh, there are typically two methods in your startup.cs. You have configure services, which is kind of where all of your dependency injection rules go. Um, so my example I gave earlier about the email uh, service. So you can define, hey, uh, when I ask, when something downstream in my application asks for an I email service, give it my on-prem email service and that's kind of where you define uh, those rules as in your startup.cs and your in the configure services method um, and then also you define what life uh, lifetime those objects have so uh, you can say it's scoped meaning it's uh, give me a new one or give me one per request so um, you typically do this with like a entity framework database context is you just get one database context per request. Uh, that way everything's kind of using the same uh, DB context. Uh, there's also transient, which means give me a new one every time I request it. So if you have uh, multiple uh, piece of your app listening to the same uh, requests, uh, they're gonna get a different instance of whatever you inject in. And then there's also singleton, which means only give me one instance of this thing for the lifetime of my application being up. So where you define all these rules is again in that in uh, the configure services method of startup.cs. And then there's another method in startup.cs, which is your configure method. And that's where you define that middleware pipeline uh, that we talked about earlier. Uh, so again, that's where that order really matters because if you uh, flip a piece of middleware and have it run sooner, uh, sooner than another piece, I just gotta make sure what the impact of that is. So kind of mentioned earlier with the HTTPS redirection, if you don't have that first, uh, potentially a request could get in that's coming over straight HTTP, which may or may not be what you want. Um, so that's kind of the role of the startup.cs is to uh, kind of bootstrap your application with the dependency injection it needs and then also the middle. Great. Now, 
this is a good feature another thing that has been changed was the www root folder this is something that i find in other frameworks for example angular also has a similar structure you know in terms of folders for organizing uh, certain mm -hmm. things such as uh, view files now do you know what what the www root folder is in asp.net core yep uh, so the www root folder is uh, a place where uh, by default asp.net core can only serve static files out of that folder so things like images css javascript uh, that kind of thing um, so by default, uh, if you put it somewhere else, uh, you, it won't be able to be served uh, to a user. So um, you can obviously override this. Like most of the things in ASP.NET Core, you can configure your own set of rules. Uh, but this is kind of what happens uh, by default. And a lot of times I like to treat the www root folder as kind of like a bin folder. So I usually have my source files live kind of outside this folder and then let my bundler compiler um, kind of take the source files and transform them, either, you know, taking TypeScript to uh, uh, compile it down to JavaScript or CSS and JavaScript and minify those and then kind of places them in the www root folder. Um, it's just what I treat it as, but... Um, yeah, so that's pretty much the responsibility of the... Great. Now, we covered all five questions. An additional question I had was, where can you learn more about ASP.NET Core? And what would you suggest to beginners of this uh, uh, framework? Yeah, so uh, they... The documentation, official documentation from Microsoft is actually really, really good. Uh, they've uh, got some people dedicated full-time to that. Uh, so if you want to learn more, uh, I'd highly recommend going to docs, uh, D-O-C-S dot A-S-P dot net. And they've got everything from like getting started with Hello World to, let's say you want to know a very specific feature and like kind of the capabilities of it. Uh, they've got all that documented out there as well. Um, and then, yeah, they've just got like little mini tutorials all throughout that site. So I'd really uh, recommend if you're interested in learning, uh, head over to docs.asp.net. Uh, the other cool thing is it's all, the, that documentation is all open source. So if you find a mistake or you think uh, something could be explained more clearly, uh, all that's available out on GitHub, so you can just uh, send a pull request and uh, submit some documentation. And in fact, I've done that, and it's really easy to do. Um, and they're really, really great about working with you and making sure everything's worded consistently, how it is through the rest of their sites, um, and all that kind of thing. So uh, the other, the other place where you could go is. Uh, dot.net so dot.net and that's kind of like gets you um, like all the downloads and everything that you might need and also kind of walks you through some tutorials and 
has links to architecture best practices and all that kind of stuff. Great. I also use Plural Site. This is a platform for various .NET technologies. There's various tutorials there. I'd follow the course there for .NET Core with Angular 2. This is a nice course which covers how to create a .NET application with Angular from start to end with .NET Core. So that my recommendation would be in the description also. Uh, is there any link you would want me to share in the description of this video? Um, yeah, yeah, if you, uh, uh, if somebody wants to ask me a question or something, I uh, can uh, follow me on Twitter. My handle is just my first and last name, so Scott Sauber. Um, I also blog at scottsauber.com. Um, so if anybody has any questions or anything or uh, wants to learn more, I'm happy to great. happy to help. Them. I was happy to have you on the podcast, Scott, and you provided some great insights on ASP.NET Core and its various components. Now, you're welcome to be on the podcast again in the future. You can just message me. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the invite. And Great. See you. Great chatting with you.